there are many things in this life that I can say I've come to cherish and hold dear in my heart. And I myself cannot personally speak of life with hardship after hardship with no relief. But I can say unequivocally, the hardships that I have faced are hellish. And they're unnecessary. They're unnatural and too painful to ignore. The life I've lived shows so much promise. It's an irrefutable evidence that a proper life can happen with proper care. If you treat me like a human, I will grow up to be a human. If you treat me like a dog, I will end up like a dog. If you treat me like three-fifths a person, I will always grow up believing I'm not a full person. Now, I won't say I've had the struggles that my ancestors had or the two previous generations uh, before me. I would say what I face is much worse. It's like a battle that was ongoing but kind of stalled. It still took casualties and lives and, and struggles, but it never really advanced. Nothing really boiled over until, you know, technology really blossomed to the point that evidence was undeniable. It was irrefutable. And even then, justice was never truly served. It was still running on outdated software, so to speak. The issues with it were common. Tactics that were outdated and used to oppress, still being used and trying to touch them up, gloss them over, make them shiny and pretty again. But everyone knows that it doesn't work. New tactics to destroy and repress, they just don't work. You gave a generation the <laughs> a whole mass of uh, of history um, let me rephrase that you gave a whole generation a basically a book with all of human history with all uh, technology and any possibility for, for education, they can now educate themselves. Endless possibilities, that's the word. Endless possibilities to gain knowledge. And forgetting the books and the, um, you know, the common sayings, oh, pick up a book and stuff like that. We have technology. We have information right in the, uh, right in front of our eyes. We can't deny it. Uh, we can't sit there and, and act like it's not in front of our faces. If I want to get educated on, on something, I have essentially 
another set of eyes to witness it. And that is information that we that we kind of struggle with. Information from another person's eyes or another person's uh, mouth is not always credible. But how do we identify credibility when multiple people see it? When a group of people see an event and all kind of paint the same picture, even if it has slight uh, variations, you still kind of, you know, believe that to be true. The event shows truth to it. And if a person trying to replay the event or speak about the event and they weren't truly there, when they start to severely uh, severely mess up key factors, we can then say that person was not at that event. Let's say a man in a red shirt shot a man in a black shirt. Now, if 20 people say, oh, a man in a red shirt, or a man in a maroon shirt, or a man in a pink shirt, or a man uh, got shot wearing a black shirt, or a slightly gray shirt, or a dark colored shirt, or even a dark blue shirt, you would still believe, okay, so we know a man shot another man. And that man who, who got shot was wearing a dark shirt. And the other man was wearing a red or reddish shirt. You would get that. You would just know a man shot a man. That's irrefutable. Everyone knows that. Now the gun that was shot, you know, it's like, oh, I thought he was he was he had a Glock or or I know he had a, a semi-automatic pistol. It was like, oh, it sounded like like this, or I didn't see the gun, or all I heard was the gunshot, and someone running away, but you know that there was a gun, and you knew that it was most likely a semi-automatic pistol. Now, I'm not going to get into every detail, but let's say you ask someone else who was not at the event, and you'd be like, oh, I know a man in a, you know, he, I think he was wearing a blue shirt, shot a man. They speak of the event, which has common knowledge, but doesn't know the the details. They don't know the design of the shirt. You don't know where they were placed, so they just say anything and make an educated guess. But you can obviously tell he was not wearing a blue shirt. Uh, no, the, the guy in the blue shirt shot him. He was like, no, he was wearing a red shirt, so it sounds like you were not at the event. Now, that might sound like I'm babbling, but it's important to say that. It's important to know that that's where we get credibility from. And with the internet, it's you have to take everything with a pinch of salt because you weren't physically there to verify. When you are there, when you're physically there, when you physically see it and hear it, that's your credibility. Yeah, you know what you saw. And even then, you cannot believe everything that you see yourself because people set things up. People make things certain ways. They trick your eyes. They know that you you will take everything you say with your eyes as 100% truth. But magicians in this world have shown us that your eyes play tricks on you. And that's what I learned from this world. I say that 
growing up, I realized that, and I guess it gave me an aura of intelligence to not simply just believe and jump to conclusions, to to understand that my fears, and I will jump to conclusions, that my fears will make me jump to conclusions, but when I find that peace, I have to try to find that peace to start to think. When I start to panic and worry, I have to sit there and come together and think. Even when it's, when it feels impossible, I have to think. I have to come to a conclusion on what I need to do and what I just saw. And is this reality or is this a farce? For myself, I do that a lot. I, I try, even when it's the most painful thing I try. The reason that it's so hard in this generation is that we have all this information, knowledge, everywhere. And now we're struggling with new problems, as, as well as the old ones. The enemies aren't as clear-cut as they were back in the 1960s. It's not like everyone's out there screaming nigger like they used to. Now, there are people like that, but we're, we're aware of those people. Those are obvious enemies, but they're not as, as widespread as they used to be. If there are a hundred of those people, there are thousands who think like him that just don't say it like that. They are slick with their words. They're, some of them are not even aware of it themselves. They're, they know that I am their enemy, but they just they don't know why. They're fighting me. Subtly. They don't attack me head on. They're not as bold or, or brave. They know that they don't, that they, they might have the numbers, but they might not have the support. So they know to stay back and chip away at me. There's something that I learned in a fight. If you could chip away at somebody and make them to nothing, they can't recover. Uh, a knockout, yeah. It it might hurt, but it, it won't. You know, a knockout could just be a knockout. I notice that a person that took one big punch, even though they're knocked out for a longer time, if it's just in that one area, it will eventually heal. If it doesn't kill you, it will eventually heal. And it's easier to heal for six months in one area than it is to have to worry about two years in different spots and and multiple different fractures and and different medicines. You feel good in this spot, not this spot, but then that spot is severely weakened. It's just better than the other one, you know. So they chip away at you destroying you, mentally messing with you, and then you start to destroy yourself. Dealing with that. That that wasn't even a new tactic. That's not something that's new. It's, it's something that was going on that you can even hear Malcolm X speak about. Knowing that these same things aren't so new. Actually very old, near ancient. 
then you see the new tactics and these are a little more complicated because they implement with the flow of society as it is right now they uh the flow of technology currency the cost of living now not only is it hard to to find the cost of living you know find a life and find a, a base it feels like everyone's listening to you you're constantly paranoid you don't know who will attack you take you down you don't know what you're saying is there's always a line and you always feel like you're you're about to, to tip over that line I remember a time when black Muslims the police officers would ask you ask your kids talk to you Nah, I wasn't there, but I remember hearing the stories. Uh, I sound old, and you know, I I wasn't there, like I said. But hearing those stories, it reminded me of of my time, jumping forward, where police officers would ask me, "Am I in a gang? Do I know someone in a gang? Am I a part of the this culture, this life? You know, trying to demean it." You know, treating it with full disrespect. Now, I'm not comparing a, a black Muslim to a black gangster. Now, that's not what, what the point of it is. It's saying that you demean it, but you don't understand it. You yourself are not black, nor are you Muslim. And you speak of them as if they're terrorists. Now, a black gangster, a gangster is a criminal. But you don't know why. Why are they a criminal? It's because you said that they were a criminal. Why why are they criminals? They they refuse to get a job that doesn't pay them the right amount. They refuse to obey the laws and some of the laws are clearly not in their favor and actually destroy them and people that do follow the laws get hurt under those laws, so it's understandable why someone wouldn't want to follow them. Now, it's not saying that your if your laws were perfect and didn't completely, you know, cover all their bases. Now, if they refuse to listen to their law, the laws after that, you know, that's that means that they they're essentially the issue. They're the problem. But what I say is why your laws have so many holes in it. Why are these people allowed to do crimes and get away with it or get such a lenient sentence, but these people not? What is the point of locking up a drug dealer and let's say he gets 25 people hooked? Now, 25 people, those that's a, that's a big number. 25 people hooked on drugs? That's, 25 people out there stealing your TV, stealing your couches, stealing your um, your Xboxes, your PlayStations, stealing everything. Breaking into your cars, that's, that's a lot. They get 25 years. Now, these big pharmaceuticals, they selling your drugs, now they hook thousands, millions and, and they, you know, when they get caught, they get five years, 
and, and not even in the same jail. You you notice that their five years and our five years are different. Five years, they'll be. I don't hear maximum security prison. I don't hear uh, what what they, what type their uh, what's the type of living condition they're living in. Now I, I hear five years. I think minimum minimum security. Some of it house arrest. I hear conjugal visits. I hear TVs in their cell. You know, we don't we don't check on these people. We hear jail, we think, ah, jail's jail. No, no. Private prisons. You know, private prisons own prisons. You think that some some prisons are just all harsh? No. If if there's profit to be made, Someone's going to get it cushier. You know, you don't just go into prison with nothing. They take. And if you're willing to pay, if you can pay, you're going to get a nice comforter on your, your jail cell. You're going to get a TV. You're going to get a laptop. You're going to get electricity. You, you're not going to have to go on in the yard with certain people. You don't have to play the games, the prison politics, because you're still playing outside politics. I won't say it's like Goodfellas. I won't say it was just amazing. What I'll say is it's nowhere near the, sto- the horror stories. I was watching the Newtonberg trials. How they explained it. And it really really showed to me. And those men, they gave their, their rulings. But I noticed that all of those men in that room, only a few of them actually faced combat. Only a few of them were there to witness the tragedies firsthand. Not just saw the pictures of the horrific picture, uh, the horrific gore presented, but just there. None of them were soldiers, but commanders. None of them were sailors or marines or airmen. No. They led, they were politicians. And I think the fact that they were sitting there the fact that they were disgusted but not outraged. I've seen men who've seen tragedy. And the rage could not be quelled. They couldn't sit in the courtroom. I've seen a man who lost his son in the courtroom and he heard the, the verdict. It didn't matter. Especially when it was innocent, when he knew his, his, I think assailant would, would be the right word. Assailant. Basically, get off scot-free. He tried to attack the assailant. Because he's not just assailant to his son, who was not dead, or, or I think, yeah, I think it was a son. Um, he was assailant to his his other children, his wife, his mother, his father, himself. 
Where's the justice? Where's this justice? Where do you... I didn't see that anger in that courtroom. No, it, it was merely business. It was... It was disgusting. They sent men to their deaths. Those same men that are now convicting men sent, sent men to their deaths. But that was one time where I could understand. It was one time in the world, I think, it was understandable. It was an evil that needed to be killed, needed to be quelled. But no other time has that ever been justified, not even in the Civil War, which people like to bring up. The Civil War was not a war of, um, of freedom. It was a war of power. Abraham Lincoln was willing to let the slaves remain captured, remain beaten and abused. They're not even slaves, right? why I call them slaves, the black people my people, people who look like me. He was willing to let those people remain tortured, raped, with their tormentors for the sake of the United States, for the sake of a country. And it's not even the first time something like that has happened. It's not the first country, nor nor the last country. But it just speaks to right now, right here, this country's history that we kind of ignore and only bring up. And then when we bring it up, we kind of still just, eh, it's a long time ago. We excuse. That's the perfect word, excuse. Where, where, does, where does that come into? You know, people want to ignore that. People don't put that in textbooks. He was willing to let that slide, basically. And then, when the country rebelled, when the country was in shambles, then they wanted to go to war. It wasn't for the sake of us. Now, some some did kill for us, but... It was unnecessary because it shouldn't even had happened. People forget it's a kindness because you are reacting to something. If you have to react to something in the kindness, it, it means that there was an issue before that. I shouldn't have to react to do something kind. Like if somebody was in a car crash and, I, and it was kind of my fault. I stepped in the middle of the road. Now they, they crashed their car into a pole and I pulled them out the vehicle. Am I now the hero? Or am I the villain? I caused a car crash. Or, or let's say I saw someone, you know, walking in the middle of the road, and they they would have gotten hit. So I didn't pull them back. It was, the the whole point is it was unnecessary. Now I hope the metaphor was clear enough to understand. I know that was kind of confusing in my mind and voice. It's clear, but 
you know, sometimes they don't say things properly. But what I mean is it shouldn't have happened in the first place. You're not a hero for reacting to something. You're a hero for preventing things. You're a hero when you have the power to prevent things and you prevent things. Not when you had the power to prevent things, but you didn't, but then you you used the power to, to stop it. You reacted to it. Now, if you react to something that you could not prevent, then you are a hero. But it's context. It's the bigger picture. It's the bigger picture. And these are things that we're facing now, even in the modern era, that we have to keep explaining because we have the information. Now, this is not something I just came across and something I just learned, but I, I kind of had to accept as well as grow as a human being and as a person in this society. I had to I had to learn these things. At no point were these things just given to me. Oh, no, no. Actually, I would say I was given to it. Someone did tell me these lessons, tried to teach me these lessons. Now, it was very rough and not as pristine as I'm explaining now. And even that, I won't say I'm explaining it as sharply as it can be, but definitely clearer than how I was taught. But the problem is, I had no context with it. I had to basically relearn it myself. Now, I'd say I, I learned it in a quicker time than any of my ancestors had before me. And now I am trying to make do with what I, what I learned. I am trying to control my life. I'm trying to take back my life as well as free myself. I am freeing two parts of me. One that is still enslaved by, uh, by the history and one that is enslaved by the, by the present. Because no matter what, I'm still a black man. I'm always tied to that black history. I'm always tied to how people view me. I can't use uh, that I that my father claims that we have 12% Irish, and I can't use that that claim to Choctaw Native American. To the world, I am black. To the world, I am black. And to the world that hates me, and not every place in the world hates me, but it's so hard to map it out, like. I have to Google places before I go, like, ah, how's the race, racism, how's the climate? I have to continue, continually listen to coonery and black people who, who are, are not for me, not for the safety of me. They, they want to claim for the safety of all people, but not all people right now are having issues. Not the issues that I'm facing, not the issues that we're talking about, racism, but you don't make racism laws for all races. You don't make it for people who, okay, let me take that back. You don't make racism laws for 
races that aren't getting mistreated. Oh, you do it as a preventative measure. Really? Like, like let's be let's be adults here. Let's be clear. Now, um, I don't think there's many times where white people got the were the initiators or were were initiated with the racism. Like I don't I know that black people have gone after white people specifically because they're white. But I think of that as look at the bigger picture. Why did that happen? I feel like that's a reaction to just history. It's it's like okay Black people, we've always been oppressed, always been attacked because of the color of our skin. We we always had to listen to somebody, you know, claim someone with blonde eye or with blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, is beautiful, is 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 attractive, and we we have to either be afraid of them or praise them, or we have to have so much emotion with them. We have to we we have to interact with them in a certain way and. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, it is right or justified, but that's the life. And that's not just the first time. It's in our media. It's, in, it's only recently that things have, have been starting to change and morph or, or really show a different type of tune and face. But we, we're still facing that. And, and it's, it's not a new tune. And you... Remember that that people like that, you always got to kind of have a level of fear because you don't know if they're going to be okay, tolerable, on your side, nice to a certain degree. I won't say that that black people are the easiest to be with. No, I'm not going to say that. It's not like I don't have these thoughts, but my thoughts with black people are always that uh, of just like of hate, of hate for myself. I always feared them because of their race, solely because of their race. As if I saw a white person in the hood wearing a clean suit, I would I would hover around them for safety. You know, like, well, if he's here, then clearly wherever he's going is going to be safe. You know, be around him. Nothing's going to befall him. But me, as a black man, it feels like you're casted in into the world of shadows. Like, if you're around the gangs, you will be affiliated with the gangs, and the police will treat you the same. It doesn't matter. If, if I called the police in the suburbs, the police will come. And I don't believe that they would hate me or hurt me for it. But if I called the police and being the same person that say I travel and I go to the hood, now the police would treat me now like a criminal myself. Like, because they see my skin, they just make the assumption. And then I had to explain to them where I'm at, where I'm from, who I am, why you should believe my words past the other Negroes. That's what it feels like. It feels like I have to clarify to white people. I gotta clarify. I'm not sitting there and saying this attack. 
but I'm saying understand where it comes from. I'm not trying to uh, downplay it. I know white people have been attacked. I know white people have had uh, brushes with oppression. I know they've had uh, their issues and struggles. But what do you want me to do? I, I don't do that to you. I don't do that. And the only reason that I, I can't you know, bring it up more often is because still the atrocities that are facing black people are, are greater. And the fact that I say that and I always meet backlash is, is amazing. It's always a, a level of backlash that you say, oh, black people suffering racism is greater than white people suffering. Oh, you're racist. Oh, you said white people don't suffer as much as black people. You're racist. You gotta be so careful with your words. And people don't understand why you say this. They just hear that you said it and use it to destroy you. I don't mean to to pick because honestly, I think, what if I saw a beautiful white woman Right now, what if she said she wanted to date me? What if she said she liked my cause and she was willing to support me? And even myself, I had to think, because I, I was I was listening to a, a uh, audio recording of Malcolm X, and he was saying white uh, black men walking around with white women and white or black women walking around with uh, white men you know you gotta straighten her up and straighten and straighten the white man out and it made me think now I understand what he was talking about and even at the time I came to that but I've lived in a world that it wasn't it wasn't like that it wasn't as easy as that and my emotions and my lust and my greed, I guess. I know where his words come from. Truly, I have a piece of heart in his words, but I cannot fully commit to those words. And I would like to talk to him and believe that I, I don't believe that his words stayed the same. But it, it was it's difficult. I always thought Malcolm X was uh, actually, you know, he had a little white in him. I, I keep saying this, I guess. I keep thinking about it. Because um, he looked lighter than me. And I think everyone lighter than me is, is light-skinned. I won't say I'm like severely dark, but I'm I'm definitely definitely lighter, uh, lighter than than dark skin, but still dark skin nonetheless. And and that's probably because of uh, my grandfather. And he was he was light skin. I thought he was actually uh, a mix of uh, white and black. I didn't I don't know what he he actually was. I didn't get a chance to ask him and fills me with great sadness, but uh, he was always lighter than me, and 
you know, even looking back at pictures, I guess I never thought about it because he was my grandfather at the end of the day. He was my grandfather. He was important to me. He was basically my father. And his skin, so white. So not, not, like, like the perfect mixture, I would say. Just light skin. I'm saying that he, he was part, I, I guess I keep putting my foot in my mouth. But, you know, that's, if you would see him, you would think he was light-skinned or had white in him. You knew he was black, but you would know that there was something else in him. And then he would have a grandson that was, you know, I would say completely black. The only thing that kind of distinguishes me on my eyes, they kind of slanted. I always thought I had some some sort of Asian in me. And it, it was just, you know, it kind of made me feel uncomfortable because even a, an Asian person said my eyes were more slanted than him, than his eyes. And it, <laughs> I, I guess I, I always took offense to it. I don't know why. I don't know why it made me feel uncomfortable. And still to this day, I don't know. But it was just something. Now, I always looked at, at that and saw Malcolm X. And I was like, he's... Is he mixed? And he spoke of pure black, full black nationalist. And I guess I kind of chuckled. Kind of chuckled. No, it wasn't that. You know, I, I was I was expecting someone to say, "Oh no, he's full black," or hey, maybe it's just because of black white pictures. But you know, the light would make him look lighter, and even in some of the pictures compared to me. But you know, it, it was funny because he still saw himself as black, and even if he had white in him, even if he was mixed, I feel that he would still been. He still called himself black. Maybe, maybe it's stupid of me. Maybe I'm just not looking at him clear enough. But I just always notice that, and I guess I always will. I always had that projection of him, that perception of him. It always brought me back to my grandfather. It always brought me back to that that girl I had a crush on who was light-skinned. Brought me back to every light-skinned person I ever saw. And the encounters that I had with them, some would claim black, some would claim mixed, and some would claim white. And the difficulties that they experienced that I won't ever experience because I'm black. Um, and that's what I mean as a modern problem, a struggle with people who claim black, but do black claim them? Does black claim them? But I do know that as long as I live, no matter how educated now, as smart as I am, no matter what, I'll be black. Not unless everyone is treated fairly. Now, in the white community, 
or not even in the white community, but in the rich communities, in the suburbs, I would probably be taken in, you know, someone would speak about my praises, someone speak praises about me, someone, I've heard it many times when I was a child, I speak so well, like an educated black person, like an educated person doesn't speak well. What do you expect them to speak like? <laughs> uh, as Chris Chris Rock said. No, I would say that I might get a, a small swelled head about it. I might, you know, indulge myself in it. Someone speaking your praises, I, I, won't, I won't deny that I'd like that. But I won't submit to it. I won't expect that for everyone. Once I get it, I, I will still spearhead. I'd be like, oh, thank you, thank you. But we're still going to talk about uh, what you're doing. We're still going to talk about your faults, your, your problems, your issues, the issues that are going on. I will not sit down. I will not remain there. Now, if I have to, to remain vigilant, to remain uh, pure and true to myself. If I have to sit there and live in a cot in the forest, then I will. That's the that's the job of a leader. That's the job of anyone. If I got to sit there in the, in the trenches with my people, I will have to sit there in the trenches, even if I have the ability to sit there in luxury. I will sit there in the trenches. And it's not to say, oh, well, we're, we're going to all get out the trenches. No, I won't say it's because of that. But if I need to remain there, if, if people cannot move out the trenches and start to get into their homes, how can I lead from a beautiful mansion when all my people are in the trenches, when most of my people are in the trenches? I need to move you guys out of the trenches. If I'm living in a mansion, there are definitely going to be other people in that mansion with me. It's not going to be myself in a mansion by myself. It's not going to be just close family. I'm, I buy a mansion. It's for people to live in. I will convert that mansion into apartments. And that apartment will have cheaper rent. So when people come over and people... When people are, it's time for them to move and to get their own houses. They have money for it. And I won't be a kind-hearted landlord. I'd probably be hard. I'd probably be insufferable to deal with. You would probably have to, to deal with a lot of rules. But it's, it's not to, to distinguish the black people. It's not to discourage them. It's to encourage them to move on to to get their own stuff to do with what they want to not just settle with something that's good temporarily but something that's good permanently something that could be passed on something that could be theirs now i'm not advocate for helping everyone and anyone if you have the ability to help yourself then you should if i have the ability to give a helping hand I will and if you have the ability to give a a helping hand you should but I will not uh, sit there and advocate for uh, for helping people who don't want to help themselves no matter what the race 
Now, if you need my help, it doesn't matter what the race is, regardless of your race, regardless of, uh, of your stances. Just as long as you, you're not trying to destroy me. As long as right then you're not my enemy. And even if you are my enemy, I will still help you so you no longer remain my enemy. Because I live a life where I don't want enemies. I want rivalries. I want challenges. But I don't want enemies. I don't want someone wanting to kill me. Or if they want to kill me, they want to kill me in the ring. They want to kill me when when I'm awake. When I'm aware. They want to kill me from the front or... They kill me in a tactic where where I know I'm aware of them. But people kill people in these sneaky ways and then act so brave and so brazen. How can you act so tough when you killed a man with a sniper on his way to work? You can talk so bold when you didn't even look the man in the eyes. Yeah, you killed the man mentally. You, you played a game which he was not even in the same equipment. And you didn't even do it for a good reason. You did it because the man insulted you, insulted your shoes, and you killed a man for it. As long as your tactics are worthy of the crime or the, if your reason matches up, but some of these men, these so-called men, do that. They act so brazen. And then they'll pull a pistol. Now, I would say this. I heard this on a radio show host before. And he really pissed me off. He said, Chicago, put down the guns and pick up a book. And I said, how about... You hold both. And we live in 20XX. So this, this isn't something new. This isn't something new. And if you got to hold a bigger gun, you know what? It's, it's 20XX. So that means put on some headphones. Put an audio book on whatever you're reading. Listen to it and hold the, the AR. Hold the shotgun. Listen to what they're telling you. Listen how they're talking about you. Listen to how they speak about you. If there's nothing else in this world, listen to, to your enemies as well as your allies. Don't just educate you. Uh, don't let others educate you on something. Educate yourself. Listen to both sides. It's important to hear it. I watch Fox News as well as CNN, as as well as the Black Perspective. I listen to to multiple media. You know, we can cry fake news all the time. We can we can cry that. Yeah, it's true. We're we're aware of that. At this point, we're aware. I'm not saying don't speak out on it, but do something about it. Don't just speak on it. Do something. If you got to make your own, make your own. If someone already made it the way that you wanted to speak on it, you know what, make it a different way, make it, a, make it just non-biased, because there's there's multiple ways we want to do it, oh, we're going to make this pro-black, you know what, make, 
instead of making it pro-black, just make it uh, just make it non-biased. Now, now, I know that seems counterproductive to what I'm saying, and I know Malcolm X probably would would not agree with what I'm saying, but the reason I say that is so multiple people can hear. Just because and make it non-biased, but still work with the black perspective. Get big on the non-biased, so you can speak on. You, you could speak with them. You could be like, "Hey, see now, this is the black perspective, and this is the non-biased. So now you have no problems here. Your beliefs do not have to always intertwine with your abilities, with your your work ethic." You know, you would still be a Christian and work at at Walgreens. Doesn't have to coincide. You know how it doesn't coincide, man. You can be a Muslim and still work a, work at a racetrack. You know, as long as certain things, as long as it specifically doesn't say, you you can work and coincide because you know work at the end of the day is work the bible doesn't say the bible the quran nothing says doesn't don't work now if you can apply your beliefs to your job then and if it works and it's effective and it's not hurting anyone then by all means do but i say that if you have the ability to do it a certain way to, to make things unbiased so so people can enjoy it and still have that belief because then you could say oh well well if you don't like this this is this is non-biased a black person happens to speak it he's not but he is pro he's pro black movement but he still speaks non-biased it's, it shows the ability I could still speak to you and not speak to you about black movements and still show my intelligence I can still speak to you, spit facts, and I can defend the Hispanic race. Uh, I can I can defend the LGBTQ. I can even defend white people. I can defend whoever I wish because I am not just an intellectual in black history. I'm an intellectual in multiple histories. Now, I'm not going to be the go-to on the rest, but I, I educate myself on it. I can speak on it. And I know my limitations on it. If you want me to speak non-biased, I can speak on it in a non-biased way. But if you want to hear my opinions on it, I will tell you my opinions. And if something is a fact and you don't like the fact, well, then that's not bias. That's just a fact. So if I say something is a hate crime, I'm not going to say it's a suspected hate crime, like how news wants to say it. Like, uh, it could be, it could, no, I'm going to say it's a hate crime. I think that's the problem. Uh, it's a modern problem. That people won't say things. They want to be neutral. When, when at the time, it's not about being neutral. It's about saying what's real. You don't want to upset people you want as many viewers as you can get you want to you want to keep the fire going i'm gonna say it's like sellout because you know 
I don't think they were with anyone in the beginning, in the first place. It's, it's tactics that, in business, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even hate. In a business world, in, in a world full of money, I, I could do see, I could see someone doing it. I could see myself doing it if, it, if my goal was infused with money, if that was my sole goal. But as a person that's looking at the world, as a person that's a scummy, horrible tactic. And I won't give you credit for it. I won't, I won't um, sing your praises about that. I'll, I'll say, I'll acknowledge that what you did and why you did it, but I will still condemn you no matter what. Yeah, Hitler got people together. I'm not going to be like, yeah, oh, well, you got to give them credit for that. And I don't have to give credit to shit. I don't have to give nobody credit. I don't have to respect or acknowledge anyone. I don't have to ever respect or acknowledge anyone or anything that they did. I don't give a fuck if Robert E. Lee was the best general of the 1800s. And that time period, and even beyond the next time, the next decade, or the next millennia—I don't give a fuck. Robert E. Lee, to me, no, Robert E. Lee is a racist. Robert E. Lee had slaves. Robert E. Lee was a bad person. Even his ancestors are like, yeah, no, he shouldn't be praised, but nothing really, really affects you. So I'm not going to try to convince you he was bad. I'm not going to have a debate. I'm not going to compromise. I think that's the another issue with modern. People want compromise and people want equal. Well, I don't give a fuck about equal. I want fair. I want the correct amount of treatment. I want the correct amount. Like, imagine if someone said... Uh, if you worked at, I don't know, let's 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 do Walmart again. And I say I I go to my job, I do my job, I talk shit about Walmart all the time. If you, I don't like this place. Oh, you know, this place will have a better sale. You know, like I like for me, I would just go to to Home Depot if you wanted to. Like if I, but I did my job. And then they come up to me when it's time to get paid. They were like, well. You did your job, but you 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 didn't sing our praises, and you you, you talked bad about us, and you and you told people to go somewhere else. You didn't disrespect anybody. You you gave excellent customer service. Other than that, but we don't like the way you're doing it, so we're gonna withhold your paycheck, or we're gonna take some away, or we're gonna fire you. I don't have to do shit. I didn't sign a like now there are paperwork saying that I know like the logistics, but I'm saying me personally like if if it was like a job there's like oh well you can start today I say there was no contract involved with that I did my job fuck you pay me I don't have to praise you that's the the problem that we gotta praise the job that we work in we gotta wear the clothes we gotta do all this and we can only talk about it bad when we're not on uh, clocked in. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't consequences. Now, I'm not going to say, hey, you know, here's the code to Walmart, rob Walmart. Now, I'm not doing anything actively to destroy Walmart. 
but I'm just not singing its praises. I'm show, I'm talking about the bad things, the things that you know, places that that uh, does it better. Now you're taking me stating facts, not stating your praise as disrespect. That's a, that's a problem. Now, like I said, freedom of speech is not freedom of, of consequence. Now, when these racists get get a uh, lose their job, when they uh, get exposed and stuff, I'm I'm not saying they're like, oh, freedom of speech. Oh, you should be mad. This is a violation. No, this is right. You're racist. You don't. Just, I don't care. I don't care what you do. I don't care if your family is starving. You didn't think about that. You were actively trying to harm not just a person, a group of people. You think, oh, well, they they work at Taco Bell. There's only one person. That person's not that educated. I'm not going to listen to... Look, one person can do a lot. Oh, you think one person can't do a lot? Oh, one person can't change the world. <laughs> one person can. One person can kill another person and change the world. You say... Uh, one person can't change the world. What if the one person killed a governor, a president, a, a mayor, a politician? No, no, laws change, not laws, but what if he killed a celebrity? What if they what if they take a bomb and they blow something up? And they got so much I'm saying like one person can do a lot. Oh, that's damage. Malcolm X was one person, he spoke. And I, I speak about Malcolm X a lot. And my new the king too. Rose Parks. Heck, Little Rock Nine, those were nine people. And they did something. They did something. And you you're telling me one person can't make a difference. You're telling me one person doesn't have an impact. One person can affect another person and then you got two people. You've got negative effects and you got positive effects. One person can. Now, one person's wild actions can cause grief for many. One person's actions can cause praise and, and blessings for many. Heck, even the Bible says, <laughs> had stories of one man doing miracles for many. Just how, how, how much work is that one man willing to do? Stories upon stories upon stories about one person doing the work of thousands. And then we say, what can one man do? What can one man do? A lot, apparently. It's just now we, we look at it in perspective and think, oh, what can I do? That's the real question. What can I do? You don't mean what can one man do? You, heck, and even when you do say it, and then someone brings you the evidence, you you sit there and then you go, well, that man is already solidified. That man is already made. Well, he's him, and I'm me, and I'm not him, so I can't do it. That's the problem. That's an old problem, but it's it's just resurfaced in modern times. It's not something new. resurface oh well oh 
have to make another one. So this will be a part two. Okay, so again, back to uh, back to this. Uh, we we go there, we sit there, we go. What can one man do? And then you get the example of what one man or woman can do, and then they do it, and then you start to get down on yourself and then believe, what can I do? And I speak about this personally, because I keep trying to apply what others can do and what my talents and skills are. I say all these things from the top of my head. That's why I stutter. That's why I yawn. I tried to to write speeches, and I tried to, you know, type them out. But I'm not a very good writer. Ah, uh, well, I'm a good writer, but I'm not very good at reading my own writing. Sounds very elegant at first, but I'm I'm speed I'm speed oriented. I like to get things out now because my when my brain starts processing it, I gotta get it out. That's why I do. Uh, I say things uh, in audio. That's why I like to I like to listen. I like to speak because that's how my brain processes. It's how it does. And even then, it has messes up. It messes up. See, it glitches. But that's just who I am, and I work on that. That's why I try to get technology to incorporate. That's why I try to to still write. I still try to improve on those problems and issues that I faced. I still try to write my speeches. I still try to to get a portion out. I still try to to learn new things and new traits. But I still also try to increase the skill that I'm already good at. I try to to increase all of it. I, I think that's that's the problem. People think that you uh, that you only work on one muscle. Like when you go to a gym, do you just use one machine that whole time and, and then just leave the gym? No, you do multiple things in the gym and the things that you're good at. Is like I I think that every time I go I went to a gym, I always hit the the bench press. I hit something. I hit I, unless I was specifically too sore to use it, and unless I was specifically injured. I would use it, and heck, sometimes I'll hit the same weight that I always hit, and sometimes I would try for for a max set. I would always try for something new, but I, I wouldn't use the same machine. Uh, like I, I would still work on legs, and sometimes I see a machine that I haven't. So I haven't used that in a while. I'll try it, man. I'll test it out. I'll try the exercises that I knew killed me, and then I hit over reliable, so so I had that boost of tested confidence yeah that tested confidence I'd hit that pull-ups and I hit 20 of them and you know like oh anyhow I feel impressive because I see somebody else and they can't even hit 10 and it's, it's not to put anyone down but it's just like I, I know for me I can hit 20 for me I'm that strong for me I can do that and they're working on themselves so good for them it's not a comparison because then I'll see that person also hit the bench and that person's bench would be three times as much as my bench. You'd see that person hitting 300 and I'm out here with with 125. So yeah, 
not as many pull-ups, but he's definitely impressive in his own right. I think for the world and for ourselves, we uh, constantly put ourselves down. We constantly don't believe in ourselves. And, or we constantly put too much hype in, in being special. I can tell you right now, not everyone's going to be special. Not everyone even wants to be special. I, I want to be average. But the problem is, I'm not sure if I'm average. I just want to know. I think that's the problem. If I was average, I could accept I was average. If I was below average, I could accept I was below average. But because I don't know. Because I keep thinking in my mind, am I below average? Am I above average? Am I this? Am I that? I just want to know. I think people want to be so special. And, and, and when you ask somebody, am I special? You, you don't want to hear everyone's special. But I'm talking about me specifically. Well, yes, if everyone's special, then you're special. If everyone's special, then no one's special. Well, you're special. No one wants to hear that. It's always confusing. You don't know. You don't know what you're going to be. You don't know what, what five years is going to bring. Because you're, if you tell everyone everyone is special, which is, again, a modern problem. And everyone gets a part uh, participation trophy. How do you know you're good at anything? How do you know you're 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 putting in the right effort? Now you already get rewarded, so it's like, am I really good at this? What if you think you're good at something and you're not? What if you're putting so much time into something that you're like, oh well, I'm not. I, I should just stick to this because this is the only thing I know and this is the only thing I'm good at because I get rewarded for this. That's what happens. Think of it in the modern time. With a job, they, they give you employees of the month. They give you 25 cent raises. They give you, you know, they, they talk about you. Like, yeah, yeah, but you're unhappy. You're, you don't reach the money. You're not getting anything. You're not really getting anywhere. Your vacation Oh, well, you had to be here a year, and then you get a week vacation paid, and then when you're here for two years, you get two weeks paid, and then when you're here three years, you get two and a half weeks paid. And it's like, what? You got to keep searching and finding jobs that, that do benefits, that give you a decent income to even come in. 35k a year and you think that's and, and that's not just by yourself now that would be good if that was completely by yourself and maybe I'm just acting a little <laughs> a little out of my my range because I've never you know lived a life of struggle and strive like that so maybe I'm thinking 35k solo man you know that that seems like that's not much but I I guess I'm saying that uh, I I look at that I just I go that doesn't seem viable life doesn't seem good I don't get to do the things that I was promised I didn't get to to explore I don't get to 
to actually um, develop. Can't go to Europe. I can't go to, to Africa. I can't go to, to Spain. I gotta keep saving up. I gotta still maintain my bills and my house, and I gotta figure out the game. Alright, I guess 35 would be fine if if that would allow me to still have a life, to still view life, to not define my life. I'm not saying that I should just have everything handed to me, but I shouldn't have to, you know, just be born into this or work my fingers to the bone to obtain this. What is the point of learning all this, of earning this, of living that life, and then reaching the age of, of 55 and then getting to explore the world? Right after that, your brain is at, at the time of teaching. You should be teaching your kids the next generation, your grandkids or whatever. You should be witnessing their birth and being around there and being a support. And you're just finally getting to explore the world, finally getting to actually in, enjoy it. You're supposed to get into these troubles and even sexually and, and getting into these adventures. It teaches you, it lets you learn. How can you expect anyone to remain uh, married when you basically lose who that partner is? You lose yourself. When you don't know yourself, how can you love somebody else? And this isn't a problem with just um, black people. This is a problem with just a generation. You saw it because the cost of living got so hard that you would always constantly see yourself at work, that your personality was at work. That your personality, there was like, there was you on work and you off work. And you... You slowly lost yourself and became enraged and frustrated and you see everyone else like that and you just, you become accepting to it but cold because it's not right, it's not human. And the person that you, you married, they start to lose themselves or they start to become themselves or they start to figure themselves out or they start to just show their true colors or they can't maintain what they were. It's, it's whatever reason, but it just seems that it's like, it's pointless to stay. You don't want them there. You would rather be alone than to keep up the facade. That's, that's really what happens. I feel like we get married so quick, but we don't know that person. We lusted after their body, and when their body faded, we, we tried to, to justify with their mind, but their mind was the same as everyone else's. I feel like we, we gained a level of intelligence where you, you're not dumb, but you're not that smart either. So might as well look for the body. If, you're, if your mind doesn't make me feel the, the joy. We're always looking for a selfish reason. We, we want to be in joy. We want to be in bliss because we've been through so much suffering. When we get off of work, we want to be in pure ecstasy. 
because work is making us so cold. We don't want to lose our humanity. But with black people, it seems that we, we've always been like that. We've always had the struggle, the strives, the shitty jobs, the jobs that no one goes to. We always had to be the hard worker. And, and you know, no one lost that. You know, and we see the fun black people, the ones that want to play jazz and sing and, and whatever. It's, it's in our culture. You see it. And you see it and you smile and, and everyone smiles. And everyone's like, I wish I could be like him. I wish I could dance like him. I wish I could sing like him. I wish I could express myself like him. He gets the freedom to do that. He gets paid to express himself. So we notice that. And all the women want to be with him. And all the, men's, all the men want to be like him. But, but now, you know, you got to think about it. You got to sell out. Now you got to do all this stuff. Now you got to be under someone. Well, being, being a black artist, it's like you stay true to yourself. True. You might be good enough to get there. If fortune is right, if, if fortune falls upon you. If the right person sees you, if another free person sees you and frees them yourself, you know, gives the hand. Most times people don't get that. Or they don't get the luck. They uh, they sell out. They're impatient sometimes, too. So they sell out. They sell their souls to get it. They be I promise you freedom. Promise you can get up, and then after five years, you can you can be free on your own. But then they they get an image, and they gotta follow that image, and they gotta do this, and they sell your soul for five years. You might not get it back. You might not get it back in the condition you want it. Hey, you get your soul, but in a body that's wrecked. What's the point? It's like someone taking your car engine out of your car. So, you, yeah, okay, well, we're going to put our engine in it. You still drive around the car. Now the car is rusted and is beaten, but you got your engine back. And you drive a few, few more miles, and then it breaks down completely. The car is done. So you got to sell the engine. Buy, buy a new car, but why, why would you... Why would you do that? Can't put your engine in a new car. Now they made new models. Now that engine don't fit in them cars. Don't work with them cars. Those cars. You could have kept your car nice. You could have kept your car pristine. But you made your car. Uh, you know work so hard. You took the you took the body and the engine. You separated them. Now the engine don't go nowhere. And the car is wrecked. The body is done. The music sounded good. You saw, oh, it, was, it was so cool when you saw it, but now it's gone. Your 15 minutes is gone. Now the person that, that maintained and waited and struggled and strived to, to make something honest, now he's finally picking up traction. Now they seeing him, they putting him on shows, and they praising him, and you don't get that. It's not to put down anyone, but even when you had the chance, when you had that at that 15 minutes of fame, you, you didn't put no investments in it. They ain't, they, ain't, they ain't the white person's fault. That's not even the person that made the contract. That's it's your fault because when you had 15 minutes of fame and you had the chance to help anyone, you didn't. I think the devil's contracts are, are rough, but it's rough when the 
and you see that the devil inside yourself. The devil doesn't just make a devil. You don't just you just don't sign no devil's contract. The devil within you helps you sign the contract. It's that evil in you that submits to to what he's talking about. He bring he he just gives you the offer. Now you enticing yourself with his offer. You know what's what's gonna happen. You're aware of what's gonna happen. Cause you you never have to worry about an angel signing a deal with the devil. You don't you don't go like, oh well, he's 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 gonna just sign the the uh, thing. He says he knows it's true. Like no, angels don't sign it. Happy people don't sign the devil's contract. Even the most happy looking don't sign the devil. No, the, the happiest looking actually usually signs the contracts. You know why? Because they usually not happy. They just pretend. They like, ah, oh, well, well, the devil's contract. I can be happier. I can, I can keep up the facade. Cause you know, you know something about me. When I see those people say, uh, you want to sign a petition, I used to be scared. I still I still get scared. I still get anxiety. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to tell them no. I don't want to look them in the eyes. I don't want... But you know what? I, I, I wave at them. I don't know why I keep waving at them. I just do it. It's, it's a nervous tick, but I wave at them. And they ask me a question. They'd be like, can you sign this? I'd be like, what is it? Let me talk to you. Let me listen to you. I ain't, I, I, I'm not even doing that today. What's this? this? It's like, uh, you know what? This ain't for me. Um, and then they, they say they thank me. And they say they appreciate me. You know, I laugh with them. And it's like, why don't I give them that human contact when I don't need to? Because, But I keep thinking it's like, they are human. That's why I get awkward around them. They are human. And to ignore their humanity would to be to ignore my humanity. To ignore them is to ignore myself and I I didn't even tell you the race because it doesn't matter they race I've seen white I've seen Asian I've seen black I've seen Mexican I've seen all of them to ignore their humanity is to ignore my humanity and that's that's what's the problem that's a modern problem because now at that moment, they're not asking me as a black man. They're asking me as a human. And I find solace in that. Now, annoyed human, that is. But a human nonetheless. When I pass homeless people, it fills me with an iota of, of shame when I don't give them money. Black, white, Mexican, doesn't matter always fills me with shame even if I have some money because I don't want to make a habit I don't I don't know why I, I don't do it sometimes I do sometimes I don't why I don't always do it I keep thinking of a story of where God is a homeless person in disguise and then he grants a wish and I don't know why that keeps peeping in my head because I hit it out because I'm thinking that this I should go back because that could have been God, but then I, I'm thinking I shouldn't do that because, you know, like, I shouldn't have to tell myself that's God to do something. But then I, I stop hitting myself. And I say, if that's the reason that I do that, then if it's good, it doesn't matter. 
even if my intentions were the hellish. If they were good, then they're good. I say all the time the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But then that means, by that logic, the stairway to heaven, you, you didn't mean to get there. You just so happen to bring yourself. Because heaven is made by mistakes and by pain, by doing wrong, but, but becoming better. You start at the bottom and then you climb your way to the top. You walk, you plead, you beg. Because I think those two examples truly show the form. Because a road is easy. It's a flat, uh, it's a flat uh, lay of the land. It's, it's just pavement, straight. You, there ain't no hidden things. There's no. You, you see the end of it. Hell cannot be missed. You see hell. It's it's a straightforward punch. It's a straightforward ride. But heaven. Heaven's a huge staircase. I think that simile that whoever made the stairway to heaven and the road to hell was was right on spot. It must have been God Himself who sent who sent that to the to the earth. Because heaven is hard to find. Heaven, you can't see stairs sometimes. You know, you go to the mall, you don't see the stores by the escalators, by the by the stairs. You don't. You just kind of know you're going up. And you're just like, man, what's it? Oh, man, they, I didn't know they put this here. They gonna put a new store. They could have an old store. They could renovate. They could take the store away. You don't really know. You don't really quite see. You think you see. You're peeping. You're like, oh, it's a hot topic. And then the, the longer you walk, then you kind of see. You look around and you be like, dang, more stores. Okay. This is where the stores are apparently. And then you climb up. More and then you be like, dang! You ever just go to Sears and just go up the Sears or whatever, and you just go up the escalators just because you bored and you just just walking around and then you be like, dang! What's what's in here? Oh, I didn't even know they had a section like this. That's that's perfectly represents stairs. You didn't really intend to do that. You just kind of found your way there. You didn't know. You, like, sometimes you intended to do good, and sometimes you didn't. Doesn't mean you're wrong. It wasn't the whole path you was trying. It's not saying do intentional evil, because that's how hell, you know, like, it's like, well, <laughs> just the road to hell was paved with, with evil intentions, like, I guess. But it was saying that heaven isn't accessible to people who just do good. If, if it was like that, then you would have already been there. If it was meant for you to be there, God would have just made you there. He would have just put you there. Heaven and hell are not across from each other, but next to each other. Sometimes you walk around the road and you Sometimes you get lost. Sometimes you're walking around. You, sometimes you just live in the abyss. And you see shining lights. You see all this thing. And uh, I think I think we keep putting this representation of heaven like this 
like golden gates, yellow, bright lights. And we make hell like this reddish fire and this this black and this this gray and this this depressing. But no, you know what? I I think that heaven is is it's just a a regular day. It looks like any ordinary street. It looks like the street that you grew up on. It looks nice. It, it don't look like built, but it just looks comfortable. It looks like reminiscing. And hell, it, it, it just it changes colors depending on the person. It looks whatever can attract you there. Whatever shows. If it wants to mimic how you believe heaven is, and it, and it looks like that gold, it looks like that that gold white thing that, that people keep presenting. It looks like the the gates. It's like, oh, it's easy. Just come walk over here. But you could tell it's fake. You could tell that a place is dangerous. You could tell when a place is is lying to you. It's easy. The conversation's too good to be true. You know, like, oh, oh, well, it's heaven. You keep telling yourself it's heaven, but when you get to heaven, I believe that you just you don't know you got to heaven until someone tells you you in heaven. You just walk around. And you're like, man, this place is nice. Oh, man. Like, no, you don't think it's it's nice. You just you kind of live there, and you just kind of accept that it's nice. You accept that it's your place. You don't just sing its praises when you get there. You don't just see it and just like automatically, oh, this is this is good. This is the promised land. You know in your heart when you feel comfort, when you don't feel it racing, when you don't ask any questions, you already know. Someone don't gotta tell me when I'm home. I already know I'm home. I've never got to my house and say, hey, here you are at your house. I already know this is my house. Don't have to tell me twice. I know it. It's a familiar feel. That doorknob's the same, the people, the smiles. But it's, it's it never ends. It always lasts. You think it's going to end. No, you don't. You don't. You know it's never going to end. You don't think twice about it. You just know you're home. Dinner cooking. You in your room. Heaven, heaven is whatever. It, it changes and it stays the same. It's like a, a cavalcade of memories and good things and bad things and just people talking shit about you and you love them. Heaven's human as as anything. Hell is this fake thing. It's this thing that's unnatural. That's that's the thing. It's hell. Hell presents itself like it's like the angels is white, blonde hair with the wings, and they they all beautiful. Man, it's like, I'm like man, I guess heaven only has beautiful people in it. What happened to ugly people? Why are they ugly on earth? What happens when you ugly on earth and then you come to heaven? You're supposed to just become beautiful? 
and they, they spray you with water like, oh, and just wash away the ugly. I don't know. Does anyone ever question that? What, what, what do you do when you're actually ugly in heaven? Oh, they find someone that, that oh, well, when you're in heaven, you're, you're no longer bound to, to beauty standards. You just look at people and just be like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're beautiful now. You're in heaven. Nah, nah heaven still is a place. It's a human place. It takes away your sin. It drops your sin. And it drops it off to hell because that's where your sin goes. I believe that same sentiment. Matter cannot be destroyed. It could just be moved. It can be placed. Changed, but never destroyed. And the same goes with sin. Sin doesn't just go away. But it can be taken off you. And can be sent to the proper place. It can show that your sin did not overtake you. Your sin did not define you. Like the symbiote. Didn't grab onto you. Didn't latch to you. You just became what you needed to be. Honestly, these these problems, you know, these these racial problems that we have now, they it's sim it's symbolic. You know, it shows a larger picture, even larger than racism itself, and still yet racism is big. It it shows that everything that we know and taught is distorted. It's messed up. We feel that everything is at the peak of the pyramid. But then sometimes we kind of forget that midway point. Uh, I'll say this because uh, there was something that my brother was talking to me about. Something that, that uh, we both agreed. Now, in military structure, you got your... E1s to E3s, those are the grunts, those are the, the basic, it doesn't matter what what branch you are, you, that's the lowest. Now E4s, you know, you, you're basically a glorified E1 to E3. You just make more money and you, you're just the king of the E1s and E3s. And even then, you don't really get that much respect. E2, uh, E5s. Now you're starting to get some respect. You're starting to do some work. Now people people know that you you, you know what you're doing. Now that's probably at the end of your first contract. No one's really putting that much pressure on. Like people still people putting pressure on. But that's the start. That's when you decide are you gonna stay or you gonna leave. You're tasting it. You already tasted. Now you know. Second time around. Now you're getting the. You got your E6s. Now you you head of, of everything below that. Now they expect you to, to handle that. Suppress it, to fix it, to patch it up. Now you get your E7s. Now E7s, I'm going to get back to that. E7s though. 
they they run the E6s. They got to make sure that everybody below that, they got to keep an eye on you know. They got to make sure they run it, whatever job and the people. So if the E6s can't run the people like that, they got to run the people and the job. So they expected all that. So they put the E6s there to, to run that. But I'll get back to them. E7, uh, e, E8s. Now they run the E7s. Now they, they like, they just basically run the job. They, they just, they focus is just a job. Like, it's, you still focus on the people. Not every time, like, every job is still focused on the people, but it focuses on the people less. It keeps focusing on the job more. Now, EE9s. That's, that's when it's just raw, the, the job. And if, yeah. E9s and, and O's, all the O's are they're officers, so it don't matter. So E nines and O's, it's they they main focus should only be the job. People come second. Now you can always go up to to E nines and O's, but it must be a dire matter for them to get involved because essentially they they still they. What, what they're going to do, they're going to hear you and they're going to try to reinforce telling the E7s. They ain't going to go to the, the E8s. They're going to go E7s because that's their job. It's like, we need you to focus on the people and the job and the people. Now, they're they having a problem. You're supposed to use chain of command because it's always supposed to just go up. It's supposed to be like, hey, you tell the, you tell the E6s and the E6s handle it. And if the E6s can't handle it, then they ask the E7s. And if the E7s can't handle it, then they ask the, the E9s. And the E9s can't handle it, then they ask the O's. But if it's already to that point, then it's it's a it's a that's a big problem. That's a that's a like someone better have cancer or got shot. Someone like like there there might be a nuclear meltdown. That's the only reason O's and E9s should really be involved. Unvoluntarily. Now, they just tell the E7s. Now, that's why I go back to E7s because the E7s now will double down. Now they making sure. Now they closing everything down. Now they shutting everything down. Now they they putting their foot down because E7s just now since they got told by the E9s or the O's, they just putting foots in everybody's asses. They run the shits. They just needed permission to kick somebody's ass. They didn't want to, but it's like they the one that's basically like you went to your mom and your mom now tell your dad and you'd be like, go tell your dad. Okay, I told your dad. I was like, oh, you told dad? No, no, I was trying to avoid talking to dad. You thought, you know, mom had all the power. Now you know what dad really do and dad you can't no way can save you from from when E sevens getting your ass. Can't be like, oh well no no the E sevens no no we trust the E sevens you you like we know that they'll get this situated. We know. You know that the so and they not the tip of the pyramid. That's the thing. That's that's something you notice. They not the tip. The, the, the mid, they the second, 
people always want to be on top, but they fail to realize who you got to know who got the power, who's really winning. I think we all try to put things on the top. Like when you're on the top, you're the best. When you're on the top, you 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 get knocked off the top. People always want to be at the top. But if I could be secured in the middle, I'd be in the middle. And that's with anything. I focus. I notice that in everything in life. Not not just that. I notice that in some jobs. Yeah, when you when you CEO, when you when you CEO, when you control a job, when you when you're the top fighter. Like think about it, fighters. Think about Batman and all that stuff. Those heroes, they get hit first. When someone tries to capture them or hypnotize them, it's, it's those first heroes. But then them second heroes, them, those, those B-list heroes, those C-list heroes, then they got to come up with a come-up story. They got to be like, oh, I didn't know that you had that. No one knows what they have. Everyone knows what the A-list uh, heroes have. They know what's in their arsenal. We know what's reality with them. But with them C-list characters, you can come up with anything. And everyone's going to believe it. Until they start to become B-list, and then they start to become A-list. Because once you get A-list, that's solidified. You're just solidified. But when you see this, the sky's the limits. When you're a kid, the sky's the limits. When you an adult, the limits the sky. You now define yourself on them limits. But then, you notice, when you leave that, you can also do whatever you want at that point. When you're no longer at that job. So if you're an adult at a job, and you don't want to do that job, now you've hit the peak of that job, you can leave that job and find a different peak. You could be solidified in the middle. You can hold your place. I won't say you had to crush anybody. You could you can be like a flow of water, like be a rock in the river. People just kind of go around you. They they trying to get to the peak. Sometimes they get the waterfall though. If you want to stay where you're at, you plant your feet. Sometimes, you know, the current goes around you and sometimes the current pushes you back. Sometimes the best place is to be in the middle because the fall ain't so hard. I'd rather be in the middle of the office. No, I'd rather be in the middle of the tree if the tree is falling down than be all the way at the top. It hurts less. Somebody, somebody jumps off a a uh, a tower that that is ten foot and falls on concrete. That 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 could kill you. That can either kill you, severely, and severely hurt you. But if I was like, oh, they said five foot, you got to jump or else. I take that five foot jump. It'll hurt. It will hurt, but it won't kill me. It has a less. No, nah, I won't say it won't kill me. It has a less probable chance of killing me. The same. Don't go too low. Don't go too low just because you're scared of falling. And I'm not saying. Well, when you find something comfortable, don't get higher. If you see the opportunity, take the opportunity. But and but if you can, if you see that a hey, I'm making the money. I'm getting my cake and I'm eating it too. No one's gunning from my head all the time. I get to be what I want to be. I get to do what I want to do. And then I get to move on without doing my day.
if someone said 200k and I gotta run everything I gotta talk to everyone and do all this and I gotta be in every business meeting you know like like if I had the possibility yeah but if someone said okay for for a hundred for a hundred k I I do just basically the job part I don't really talk to nobody I'll take the hundred k if I can live with a hundred k I'm making a good money with the hundred k I'm good He's he's taking two hundred k because it's a harder job, and sometimes I don't feel like the money is worth it. You know, you want to say the money is worth it, but then you you sit there and you got people on your nerves all the time. People saying BS, like you you just playing a game with chances. And hey, I lose a hundred k if I'm not playing them chances. I'm not playing them odds. And if I don't get the opportunity, like, like if I say, okay, well, I'll take the 200K, but if I can't do it, can I go back to 100K? Like, no, you can't do that. Well, then I'm not going to play that risk. And if I see an opportunity where I get that 200K and it's not that hard, I think about it. And, you know, keep, keep trying to make everything sound like like being at the top is is the best. That's it. Like, no. Being at the top doesn't just automatically mean that you are without anything else. It doesn't mean that you're just going to gain everything. It just means that you're at the top, at at that level. At that level, whatever you're doing, you're the most pristine. Or that's what they defined you as, the most pristine. But that's, that's only compared to people actually competing. There's always going to be someone better. In this world, there's always going to be someone better. In this world, you're always going to find somebody with a secret talent or a native ability. Like if everyone competed in the same sport, yeah, then we can figure out who's the best in reality. And then even that, being the best is subjective because, oh, I'm the best kicker, but this person can kick farther and this person can kick more accurately than you and this person can kick uh if the soccer ball weighed the this way if if, if they use this measurement if they you know like so everything is still subjective the only way to figure out who the best person is so is take them to every test take them to every stab heck even then everything's still subjective you have greats. You have goods. Yeah, but you, but the best is like the perfect. What is that? How do you define that? The best is the perfect. And if you're perfect, you're, you're boring. If you had a person that could do everything... Better than everyone else and perfect and and this you know what that person's not a person because I have no idea who that would be. They, if someone said, oh he's the most handsomest person alive, or she's the most beautiful woman alive, I would I guarantee you there would be someone saying no she isn't because this person is because you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You ever notice that? That's that's reality. I know people notice that. I say that because some people don't notice that. You see a beautiful woman. Oh, she's the most beautiful. Zoo. I, I, I saw this one. It was like she was the most beautiful oboe player or something like that. 
And they were like, oh, she was all right. I don't know why they, they hyping her up like that. She just, she's beautiful. I'm not going to deny that, but she's not the most. Heck, if someone else played it, I'd say that, you know, like it's everything subjective. If I saw, like, a, a black girl or a white girl playing something, I'd be like, if, if, if on my YouTube feed I saw a black girl playing this sport, look at her do this, and I saw, look at this, well, usually they don't title, look at this white girl play, they just look at this little girl, so they don't even get the race. But I'm going to look at the black girl. Because I'm like, because I'm like uh, against seeing the other little girl, but it was just like, hey, look at the black girl. It's like I'm black. Let me see what she can do. Ooh. And I'll be like, let me look at the other one. Oh, okay, cool. Ooh. And then I'm gonna be wondering why. <laughs> Am I gonna be on the FBI watch list for saying little girl? Like, be like, let me. I don't know. Let me look at. Uh, Monster trucks or karate kung fu or grown man adults like <laughs> business things. I don't know. Uh, I feel like these days and age you got to be careful with everything you say and do because it can be construed as just weird. It's like, why is this even on my feed? <laughs> I'm going to jail. Just <laughs> um, saying, this world is not perfect. I am not perfect, and we're still dealing with problems that, that arose before our parents were even grown, and we got to fix it. That's what we're doing, we, and we're not going to fix it that way. You know what? I like this generation because we wild. Sometimes we do some, like, we, we our sense of humor is so fucked up. We are just the example of mutations, mutating, mutating, keep mutating, keeping the same thing, but we so mutated that it's like I laughed at a can of beans. <laughs> like, like imagine if I, I couldn't go back into the past because I'd be so messed up. Yeah, I'd be cool, but I'd also be weird. I, I couldn't survive without the memes because I'd be like, <laughs> like hey, Malcolm X, how do you, you'd be like, I could tell who who's a time traveler right now, <laughs> and then just just go on the mic. <laughs> Beams Halo Three Edition. Oh, <laughs> just <laughs> someone will tee pose with me, and it's not even a race thing. Like you'd be like, what, what, what are you doing? Hey, this this not this not about race. This is about gamers. Gamers. Rise up, like something. I can do something stupid. It's something that's pivotal to this generation that only knows this generation. But I also have information about other people's generations, so I can make some. I can I can accurately, almost like I can accurately uh, sway with the hip lingo and and all the mannerisms. But I won't be super surprised. I feel that if any other generations. If we were to go back in the past, we would know some things already. This generation would. If you really wanted to know something, it's like if I, I love how it was just like when when we were kids, um, it would always make uh, 
like stories that would they would say, hey, we're going back to the past or going into a time period, and they would meet George Washington and shake that man's hand, and then the black student would be in the background, <laughs> like ready to shake his hand too. And I remember like Ben Ten had George Washington. Man, if I went back in time, and I saw George Washington. I'd be like, man, I know you have slaves. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, you think you think I would go chill with George Washington, man? I wouldn't meet any of the presidents. I would be hesitant to meet Lincoln. I won't say like I, I'll be like, oh, you a dick, but I'm just saying like <laughs> I wouldn't even have words for him. I'd just be like, I'm educated. I know what happened. Like I'm not gonna sit there and just, oh, thank you for doing. I'll be like, thank you for doing it, but you know, you shouldn't even need it been done. I personally, though, you know, you, you go meet these presidents, and, and they do go back in time, and they speak their praises, and then they act like, you know, all their crimes and their, their you know, uh, scandals are, are gone, like, oh... And then, or either when they go back in time, they just completely ignore that president if that's what they're built on. Like Nixon, you couldn't go back in time and meet Nixon. Nixon, you know, his scandal was too big. They couldn't do this with no modern presidents. You know, notice it has to be significant presidents. And then people get mad at like uh, this is what I'm gonna say on this. I'm gonna, I know I'm on the top on the topic of president. They'd be like. If you take around, take down these racists, you're going to have to take away the presidents. And then you got to be like, I sit down and be like, okay, um, I don't understand this, this philosophy. If that's what needs to be done, it needs to be done, but... I'm not going to sit there. Like, if somebody raped me and I say I want to take down all the pictures of the people who raped me and my family, and you get mad, it's, hey, that guy was, is, is what we named our town after. So, so I'm supposed to, oh, well, I, I, well, I guess that that's on me, you know, even though he did that action, so we're supposed to just ignore the consequences of his actions. If he didn't do that, we wouldn't be after him, you know. But at the time, it was like, at the time, it was wrong. Just because it was legal didn't mean it was wrong. People were saying it was wrong then. Do we ignore those people? Yeah, I guess in this case, we do. I hate when people try to take time. He, it was aware. It wasn't like people didn't say it. It wasn't like these people were dumb. Like it's not comparatively. When like they didn't uh, evolve. Like they, they they were human. George Washington, if he was born in this time, would just look like a regular human being. It's not like he was a Neanderthal. It wasn't like he was born for. 4,000 years ago. I won't say it was common era, but it was definitely not, not so far back that you didn't realize, eh, you know what, owning slaves was, was probably not a good thing. You know, beating people and then not even calling them people. 
and then making a, a set of rules about freeing people and then ignoring the hypocrisy. Like I, I don't know. Like do you, do you want me to ignore all the consequences? Like if we're doing that, then black people should should get that free pass. You know, it's like, hey man. You know, I, I don't know. It's like we should we should forget. Um, this is the last thing I'm gonna say. If you are gonna forget uh, George Washington's consequences or, or issues in the past and history, you should ignore Breonna Taylor's boyfriend's past and consequences. You should also ignore uh, Trayvon Martin's and all that. You, you shouldn't have been talking. You're like, I get. I'll, I'll bring up stuff that he that people done in like the twelfth grade. He was talking about when he was on uh, the safety patrol, he was late for his watch. He didn't, he didn't stand his post. And that's why he deserves to die by 80 shots in the back. Be like, he smoked crack. Okay, so does that mean he deserves to die? Yes. Okay, well then, I don't want George Washington, who owned slaves, to, you know be treated like a hero what I, I didn't even say take him down I said stop treating him like, or at least add that part like the people are just getting mad because we want to add the, the, the second part and just and just not praise him like that like we have him on our money like, I got a slave owners on my money people that they called me a nigger like, I, I don't know why people would be so mad at me not liking that, like, and and how I'm explaining, because just imagine, I just don't know how else to explain that. <laughs> just imagine if you had a uh, Ted Bundy on your money, like, like, and you're a woman, just uh-huh. like, like that doesn't seem right, right? Like, like, can we at least have, and at least, and I mean, least. Just have what he did was wrong. Like, like this guy was not a good guy. Like on the money, just, just like put put on his forehead, like racist, like slave owner, something. But no, it's just like now I gotta go read a book. And that's kind of like the statue argument. Like I already read the book on what this person did, so I know what they did. So now I'm looking at a monument to this person. AKA George Washington, AKA any racist ever. But, you know, like the statue basically just describes what they did, you know, like when they were alive. Like, why is the statue here? Oh, on, on the, on whatever date this person did this war. It didn't say on this date this person did war. Also, he was a rapist. Also, he was a slave owner. Also, he was a terrible person. You shouldn't follow him. Also, we shouldn't have these statues praising these people because you know what a statue is? That's a, that's something you, you give to the winners, victors, and people that have done something positive and good in the society. You give it to pay homage to that person. I like like I've never seen statues of Hitler, you know, and the, the and in Germany like talking about like oh he was doing good and he was a good guy, unless it, like that's illegal. Is now they they have things to to talk about him. Like there's not 
like things that uh, they have plaques and, and things to read, but they also talk about what he did and they don't glorify him. Why? Why do we keep having to glorify uh, these people in a statue to express what they did was wrong? Because the reason you would fight, like anyone who, like, like these people were bad. <laughs> These are bad guys, but we treating them like the good guys. Like, the good guys don't even have statues. It's like, you say never forget 9-11, but then want me to get, you know, forget about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Trayvon Martin. Like, how, how, how can you still expect me not to be mad about Rodney King? Like, like Rodney King was alive for a good man. He was alive when I was alive. I remember, I don't remember watching the tapes, so I remember he got beaten. People keep forgetting that. Like people don't bring around Rodney King no more. But you know why people don't even name black people bring around Rodney King no more? You know why? Because we have so many other examples modern time example it's not even like like rodney king was the one thing we're holding on to we we kind of like like he's because he got settled everyone else we was just like man i got rodney king we got trayvon martin we got, we got too many cases that's the problem we got too many examples and we got examples and, and this person wasn't even doing nothing this person was was innocent this person was this and this person didn't get media covered this person was carrying a violin this person was carrying a pen this person was had his hands up this person had no hands this person like we got too many examples like man geez pick take your pick dang you know like, like we got so many examples at this point you don't want to hear nothing you just don't want to be wrong. Just stop doing what you're doing. That's, that's all I'm going to say. It's just like, dang, man. I don't know how else to explain this. Like, I, I guess I will remain the bad guy because I am apparently doing the wrong. I'm, I'm speaking on the wrong. And you don't like that. So, with that being said, that's that's been my mind.